right, so a brief discussion on what it's like to be a full-time artist. I feel like this is like a good series for like, hey, this is episode one on what it's like to be a full-time artist. Yeah, and trying to be. Trying to be a full-time, a full-time artist, artist. Because I am currently not a full-time artist. And I was. And, <laughs> and you're a part-time artist now. I, so 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 let's let's start with that. Like why why I made the decision to rather than pursue my business harder, instead chose to get what the rest of the world calls a paycheck job. So the reason behind that, and I think um, this also plays into a little bit of what we're seeing in the community as a whole. So um, I, I can remember years ago, uh, there was a really talented artist, and she was pretty young, is pretty young still, and loved her work. You know, it's one of those people who you saw her work from a distance, but then all of a sudden, like, you're talking to her, and you're working with her, and you're like, ooh, I feel really cool, you know, because... Uh, this person seemed really well adjusted and what have you. And, and, uh, one of the comments that she made to me was, I just want to make art that I know will sell. And I just remember my heart sinking in that moment because I thought this person is so unbelievably talented like more talent with a paintbrush and her pinky finger than anything my grandma could have even thought to teach me when I was a kid. And here she is mostly concerned about what she can paint that will sell. And so for me personally, the way that I tie all of that back in is that when I was doing my business and things were going really well and I did put all my eggs in one basket from a marketing perspective and that I literally only used Facebook to promote my business. At the time, I didn't even have a website. Um, but I had no need because the height of my business and my Facebook group, I was booking three months worth of work in under two minutes. And it was unbelievable and it was amazing and you know, I started raising my prices and people didn't scoff at it or anything like that, which meant I didn't have to do more work in order to create a higher income for myself. And, and, uh, suddenly because being a single income household with three kids, I needed to make sure that that income was a certain threshold. It got cumbersome and my art became mundane and you know you hear this and it really isn't cliche or anything like that my art felt like work because it was and I would tell myself okay well you can just if you do one extra animal a week you'll be fine and you'll be able to pay all your bills and all of that jazz but I was just like scraping by And I was like, and here I was already exhausted from the level of work that I was doing. And I was like, well, if I go to add more, I'm just going to start to hate this. And I didn't want to hate what I had put so much into. And so in a part-time position right in my hometown opened up, 
I said, you know what? After 10 years of being self-employed, I'm going to give this thing a shot. And the rest is history. And I've been doing both for almost a year now. And would I go back to just being a full-time artist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I would structure it much differently. I would structure it. I I handwork. And we have to recognize that our hands can only do so much at a given point in time. And so I estimate, and this is just me estimating, um, that someone working with their hands, uh, basically an artisan or a fine crafter, is going to cap around $35,000 annually. There's only so much work with your hands that you can do. And then... In in our area. In our area, for sure. Well, and I mean, this is an old statistic, but nationwide, it's been said that an artist average is around $20,000 annually. I just don't want somebody to tell me about some awesome pocket in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, right. Absolutely <laughs> killing it. Not just over yeah, here right. Just... Making Christmas ornaments or something right. year round. I yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And, you know, oftentimes we see where these artisans have built their business being part of a dual income household, right? When you have time to consider your marketing, when you have time in the age of social media to make days and days worth of reels and make art at your leisure and then transition to being a bit more intentional with your income, it just is built differently. But being an artist full-time, straight out of the gate, I do wish more people in this area knew that it just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. And that, in fact, when we transition into trying to be a full-time artist, we hear of all these, well, I'm going to try this, or what if I do this? I mean, we're building a business, right? We are truly building a business. It just so happens that that business is basically confined to what we hope our own annual salary is. And so what did you want me to talk about in regards to trying to be a full-time artist? What was it that you wanted me to lay out a little bit more? Oh, uh, moving away. And you had kind of already touched on some elements of it, but how people... um, you had already kind of even said it, but just putting a bow on it essentially at this point because you talked about it with the um, person saying, I just want to make art that sells. Well, I hear you often talk about people wanting, <clears throat> not wanting, but people punching out art and punching out a lot of it and a lot of it being Oh, really yeah, the assembly line. And it becomes an assembly line sure. versus something more deliberate. Um, and just, you can, you know, hold your thought real quick, but I just also thought it was a good time for me to chime in and say, um, that, you know, this type of episode works because I am also trying to pursue being a full-time artist. I mean, and this comes fresh off of a discussion of me really trying to figure out something more, something with more depth, something more deliberate, something more intentional with my own art. And it just kind of hitting me even just earlier today. We had a discussion on the phone for a while about it. Yeah, so the whole assembly line aspect. And I will say that three years ago now, I brought this topic up in um, a live Facebook and or Facebook Live. <laughs> and I got kickback. 
because I went so far as to say, if you're pushing out the same thing over and over again, like an assembly line, you're not an artist, you're a craftsman. There is nothing wrong with that. But we need to understand that one of the greatest gifts in art is the ability to create based on how we're feeling and the ability to create based on our own experiences. We're not creating. So one of the things that I used to do that I use as an example is when I first started my business, 100% craftsperson, 100%. I would sit at my sewing machine and crank out like 40 burp claws for a craft show because I knew they sold because they made great baby shower gifts or what have you. Never in a million years would I have said, I'm an artist. However, when I'm sitting at the same sewing machine contemplating which fabrics go together with what or where I source those fabrics or what those fabrics mean to me or what the memories are behind them or what kind of emotion might be invoked by whatever comes off of my sewing machine, then I've transitioned into that artistic role. And so the assembly line thing, and again, I did touch on it in I don't know if it was this episode or the last one. I I am saddened to see some very talented individuals lately. It's almost like they feel pressured to create, pressured to have an inventory, pressured to keep going and going and going and going. And in the midst of this, I have to keep creating. I have to make something because eventually it's going to sell. Um, This is not going to sound nice. We're putting out crap. We're putting out less than what we're capable of because we are essentially becoming desperate to earn an income from whatever it is that we are creating. And that's what becomes the assembly line. And that's what takes our art away from us. There is an artist that we both follow from this area who has a pretty strong following that we both kind of just follow just because uh, because they're a local artist with a big following in the area. Sure. Uh, and we've come to be criti- pretty critical of this person, more me than you over time. Um, Which is surprising if you knew me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you're just rubbing off on me and that yeah. we're seeing it in action there. Okay. Um, but uh, you had made that observation of this person even beyond the um, you know foundational elements of their art that we disagree with. You had said that, boy, this just stuff just isn't actually that good, um, because you thought you felt this person was becoming um, was becoming a little bit more uh, was just becoming the assembly line thing, essentially. But what I do want to, what I want to point out is that you believe so much in the opposite of the assembly line that, despite our ongoing criticism of this person mm-hmm. when they did come around mm-hmm. eventually more recently mm-hmm. to more deliberate work and less mm-hmm. assembly line stuff mm-hmm. we both agreed mm-hmm. that it was very good work mm-hmm. all things aside about everything else i mean you just got to think that us seeing that idea in action was enough to overcome the foundational dislike we have for this artist and pay them an authentic compliment between ourselves in recognizing that deliberate and authentic nature. Well, and I think the criticism too comes from a place of knowing that these artists are capable of more, right? So 
it's constructive and we, we may never bring it to them. Yeah, this individual <laughs> could be a far none, maybe the best artist in this area. Yeah. If they, if they yeah. applied themselves the right way. Yep. And and so I, I think if anything, hopefully that whole assembly line concept brings about a little bit of self-reflection. Ooh, am I doing that? Ooh, can I do that differently? You know, when when I am critical of that, it's because, one, I believe I have an understanding of the individual uh, so that, two, I believe that they're capable of more and that, three, there is – I believe in the vulnerability of art and that vulnerability comes in our authenticity within it. And I think that's also why I love what I do as an arts advocate is, you know, again, we will forever tote that art is subjective. But if more people believed and understood that when we want to use marketing buzzwords like brand, that the greatest brand that we can put out there is ourselves, because not to sound super sappy and cliche, there's nobody else out there that can do what you do. Yep. <laughs> because, and you know, there's nobody else out there that's a, that's a collection of experiences like you. The And maybe this is a good, you know, kind of point to close on because we do want to keep this, we both want to keep this episode a little tighter. But um, it's something that I have come to embrace with, the variety of my medium mediums media um with it being film photography uh music uh you know this you know the writing all of that stuff and so um <clears throat> but oh where else was i gonna go with that well i was gonna say while you're sitting there talking about the variety of mediums that you work with and i've actually gone the opposite direction and really honed in on not caring that a lady that cranks out thousands of stuffed animals is making stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. I love it, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so rather than me trying to pivot and be something that better fit the definition of textile art, I embrace the textile art that I create and I own it because it's literally a part of who I am. It's not like I follow a lot of business advice. Um, you know, maybe I should, maybe I'd be a full-time artist, but, um, that's one thing that I've always carried with me from, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is that he is always harping on, you know, you are your brand, everything mm -hmm. that you want your brand to be in whatever, um, any realm of individual entrepreneurship that you want to, you know, invest and venture into. Um, he always just says that you are the brand, whatever that looks like, you know, and, and be in the market, but not of the market. One of the best lines I have ever read from a book. I think it's great. I think it's, Oh, I don't want to end there. <laughs> I want to elaborate simply on the idea of being in the market, but not, or being, yeah, in the market, but not of the market, right? 
You always got to be in that market. Capitalism is going to take your art, and it's the only way that you can make money doing what you do. But there is nothing that says that you can only do what the market is offering at that moment. You're creative. Create your own market. Create your own audience based on who you are. And give yourself time. The greatest thing that we as artists can give ourselves is the time to actually build something that will last.